Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, SFFIA listeners, and welcome to Backlist to the Future our bi-weekly installment of recommendations from the deep and sometimes dusty corners of science fiction and fantasy, because one show every two weeks is just not enough to cover all the books we want to talk about. I'm Jen Northington, recording on October 8th, and today I'm talking about books that I found while I was packing, which is not the usual kind of theme that we do here, but here we are. I... I'm moving house and I found these books while I was packing. I was like, oh, I always meant to read these. And they were both pretty short and they were both calling to me. And so I did. And so now I have to rave about them, especially because they're both slightly older books and deserve to be remembered. But before I get into why, let's talk about our sponsor, which is... The Captive King by Jennifer A. Nielsen from Scholastic. And this is the return to the world of the best-selling series, The False Prince. It's the highly anticipated fourth book, and it is now here. It follows the adventures of Jaren, the Ascendant King. He is on a routine sea voyage when he is taken hostage. The mysterious captors accuse him of unthinkable acts and are in possession of some shocking information that force Jaren to consider the impossible. Could his brother be alive? Return to Carthia to uncover new secrets, high-stakes action, and breathtaking twists. So if you've been eagerly awaiting this book, you are already excited about it, I am sure. If you are new to this series, uh, it is on its fourth book, obviously. It's a New York Times bestselling series. And now is a great time to just marathon read this whole thing, if that is a kind of reading experience that you are looking for. We've got a boy king uh, pulled into a fight for the throne and a battle to save his kingdom. Lots of family secrets and adventures and daring do. Again, that is The Captive Kingdom by Jennifer A. Nielsen from Scholastic. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. All right, so let's talk about these books that I found on my shelf. They were literally dusty. <laughs> we have that line about the dusty corners of sci-fi and fantasy, and these were, in fact, very dusty because I do not dust my bookshelves because I'm a dirtbag. So, but I, I did, you know, blow them off and uh, bring them down, and I'm so excited to talk about them with you. Let's start with my fantasy pick, The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. This is a classic of short story, fantasy, fairy tale retellings. It is sort of embarrassing in that way that like you want to feel like you've read the classics when you talk about 
sci-fi fantasy as much as I do. Um, I had never read this before this year. I had been hearing about it for ages, but I had never actually read Angela Carter until this year. And the edition that I had, I really bought both because I knew I should read it, but also because it's one of these beautiful Penguin Classic reissues. It's got a gorgeous uh, pen and ink drawing of a wolf door knocker on the cover. And Kelly Link did the foreword, which makes perfect sense to me now having read Angela Carter. You know, the lineage is, is pretty clear. The inspiration is pretty clear. And it is... It, it's yeah, it's a it's a collection of stories that are sort of spins. I don't know if retelling is the exact right word, but spins seems more correct uh, from Western fairy tales and legends like, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, Bluebeard, Puss in Boots. There's two Beauty and the Beasts, uh, or at least ones that I would consider Beauty and the Beast related. And they are... They are bloody, <laughs> as you might guess from the title. They're super bloody. Um, they're also incredibly well-written. And my God, the vocabulary on Angela Carter. I, I have a pretty solid vocabulary. It's not like amazing, but I, it's pretty solid. I There are words in there that I have. The way she uses words is extremely erudite. And there's something even a little bit I think, deliberately old-fashioned about the language in here. I mean, it was also first published in 1979, but, like, she's really doing a thing here with her prose. And it is incredibly effective and also sort of awe-inspiring. Like, when you just look at the use of words, uh, it's really impressive. And I've been sitting here trying to think of which is my favorite one, and it's really hard because... She just, she does things I was not expecting, which is what you want out of a fairy tale spin. Um, I, I, those two Beauty and the Beast stories back to back also, they are so different. They go in such different directions and they're both so powerful and neither one really gave me what I thought I wanted, but it was better than what I thought I wanted out of it. I just really, I think I have to say that the two different spins on Beauty and the Beast were my favorite. And, but all of them are amazing. And it opens with this Bluebeard retelling that is, whew, it's a lot. It's really powerful, but it is, it is a whole lot um, of, of, of tension. Just the tension is so thick. And the stress of like watching this woman move through this situation. It's really something. And uh, a very satisfying ending on that one, too. They're all extremely satisfying in, in very different ways. So if you, like me, have not yet read Angela Carter, this is my invitation to you to jump on the bandwagon. They are extremely good. And if you've already read her, maybe now is the perfect time to revisit because, you know, we are deep into spooky season here and these are extremely spooky season relevant. So that, again, is The Bloody Chamber and Other Stories by Angela Carter. And I read the edition that has the foreword from Kelly Link, which is very good. And now for my sci-fi pick. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this slim little gut punch of a book. It is uh, under 200 pages, by the way. I guess that makes it a novella. Is it a novella? Who cares? Uh, it came out last year from Lanternfish Press. It is called The City of Folding Faces by Jayani Basu. And it is about a woman named Mara 
who takes part in this sort of retailized, capitalized, uh, neurological experiment. You walk into a booth, you get uploaded into a digital system that has been designed to expand your consciousness in these very specific and strange ways. And then you like get downloaded again, like you you physically are, you disappear into the into the either into the system called the roulette. And then you come back and most of the folks who come back find themselves unable to interact with people the way they did beforehand. They have trouble focusing, they have trouble, they have long-term memory issues, Um, they, you know, can't emote in the same ways that they did before, they have trouble reading others' expressions. It's basically like a neurotrauma situation. And so, of course, now there's all this scientific research going on around these individuals um, who are called Ruga. And, you know, what, how do, how do they how do you help them? How can they be readapted back into society? And and you're looking at like, first of all, why would anybody do this? Secondly, what's it like to be back and trying to interact with the world? Thirdly, how is the system developed and for what potentially nefarious purposes? And all of this is so relevant, but like really at its heart, this is the story of Mara, who has like done it, she's done this thing. She's she's gone into the roulette machine. She's come back out and she's she's incredibly struggling to remain connected to her boyfriend, Arlo, who she she knows is sort of intellectually and sometimes viscerally that she loves him. But she just after this experience, you know, she just cannot connect with him in the same ways. And she's aware of this. And so this is her struggle to try to reconnect. So really, this is a story, you know, about connection, about human connection, and what do we do when we feel like we're disconnected from people, and how do we find ways to reconnect with them? What will we do? What are we willing to do to reconnect? In what strange ways are we trying to connect that are actually not, like, nobody wants to connect in that way, or our perception of what's missing is completely different from what this other person's perception is. It's these questions that are, I think, actually at the heart of any relationship, but then heightened through this sci-fi premise. And it is fascinating. It's so good. It is so, it's such a peek into a really fascinating concept of the world. And I, I really want... I really want more in this world. I hope that Basu may consider writing more, uh, playing with this premise, because I just found it so well drawn and so interesting and also so heartfelt. And I think, you know, her she has a science background. Um, she's worked with uh, research projects on uh, neurological trauma. And I, I think that really comes across. And so the science is convincing. But really, again, the emotional heart of this book is what has truly won me over. And I will also say that my first thought when I started reading it was it reminded me a little bit of Valis by Philip K. Dick in a, in like the best possible way. Cause that book is really difficult and I don't even know that I would revisit it at this point in my reading life. 
But that that Philip K. Dick, you know, exploration of identity and technology and and the intersections and how do we know how our consciousness works and how it interacts with others like that, that sort of sticky, complicated, shifting focus is is something that I think I see also in the city of folding faces, but with this great big beating heart that balances it out and makes it really compelling. And also, I love the cover on this. It's extremely like Rorschach. What are you going to see when you look at it, which is kind of the point. Uh, but yeah, I love this. And I think uh, I think more folks will also love it. So again, that's The City of Folding Faces by Jayani Basu. And those are my picks for you. I feel like I've gone on for a while, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you're having a happy spooky season. And uh, if anybody else is out there moving, like I just want to offer solidarity. It's a weird time to be moving, but here we are. Uh, So thank you so much for listening. Thanks also go out to our sound editor, D.R. Baker. Thanks so much for making us sound great each and every episode. And if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, you got feedback about the shows, you've got theme ideas, whatever, uh, shoot us an email at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you are inclined to review us on Apple Podcasts, we super appreciate that as well. It helps other folks to find the show, and it's always nice to see. And in between shows, you can find me mainly on Instagram at IamJenIRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time. 